Hello, my name is Adam, and welcome to the Mouse and More podcast. Joining me today, I have a special guest, theme park journalist Scott Gustin. Scott, welcome to the show. Hey there, how are you? Good, how you doing? Doing good. Scott, I've been following for a while on the Twitter, and uh, he, uh, he's he got an interesting story about covering the parks, covering Disney, covering other things, and I felt like, you know what, it's about time I got to ask him to come on the show, and thank you for coming on, Scott. Absolutely. Happy to do it. I, I enjoy this, so it's, I could talk about all this stuff all the time, so it's just fun. I, I do, too, so, so here we go. And you actually, like, you know, took the time to make a podcast. So that's, <laughs> yeah. kudos to you for having initiative. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's been over five years, and, and sometimes I can't believe it's been over five years that I've been doing this. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, boy. But anyway, so, uh, Scott, I want to ask you about your background as a journalist and what made you want to become a journalist, and then how did you – I'm gonna what go. happened, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what happened? Did you uh, did you start as a journalist? Did you then transition to Disney theme parks? And then how did that? Did you like Disney growing up? Did you go to parks as a kid? And then did that kind of like mesh together, or or was it just by chance? What do you got? Yeah, so um, I went to school to. Um, I thought I wanted to be a broadcast reporter. Uh, the person you see on local television doing the, you know, reporting live type thing and um, went to went to school for that, trained uh, in, in the broadcast journalism world. And pretty quickly, uh, last year, college figured out that that's not what I wanted to do, that it is not the type of job that I thought it was. Um, and then I found myself in the still in the news world, but working in digital and kind of worked my way up that way. Um, I've always been digitally savvy kind of as a kid and found a, a pretty easy path there to get my foot in the door, just working on the, on the digital side inside of, um, broadcast news. Then I worked on a national content team at a couple different companies. Uh, and then currently I work at a company, it's called Nextstar. We own 150 sites across the country and I, I my, my day job is working on the digital side for those sites, helping work on product and content for the WordPress, you know, implementations on those sites. And that's kind of what, what the day job is now working in, working in that world. And then also having, since a kid, having an interest in, in Disney parks, I, at some point kind of figured out that I could do both you know, try writing content, uh, in the early days of when I was doing digital, I would write, um, some, some of the bigger mainstream stories that would come out of the parks. Like I covered the opening of Pandora at Walt Disney world. And I really just kind of was sticking to that because that's the only real crossover that there is for like these 150 sites across the country. They're they're not interested in, you know, a food and wine <laughs> festival <laughs> menu like we are. They aren't uh, interested in the next cupcake that came out, are they? No, I, I think they're good on that. <laughs> so, you know, that was kind of how I started. It was like saying, all right, I can cover a couple stories a year for this thing that I'm interested in. And then, you know, the other 363 days of the year I was doing uh, hard news, crime, 
content, you know, the type of stuff that you, you cover in that world. And, um, and you decided to sort of do it on your own. Like you weren't like a boss or somebody didn't tell yeah. you, Hey, you got to start talking about this. Yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, I really think it all came from, I met uh, someone who works at Disney in the um, media media relations side. I met them at a a news conference, uh, like a online news association conference is what it's called. And it's a big, like everyone from all the news organizations on the digital side get together. I think it was in like LA that year and I met him there and he was just kind of like we exchanged uh, contact info. And it was kind of like at that moment that it clicked that I could try to do what, what I know with this thing that I actually, you know, enjoy and is, is a unofficial hobby. Um, and so did that for a while, uh, cover some of the bigger stories. And that's really, that's all I was trying to do on Twitter or writing for our sites, which I still do now, but not as much, but it was during uh, COVID when there was um, this hole for not only content, but info. And I just kind of made it my, my personal mission, even though this was not something that I was doing for, you know, my day job, like it was not writing up every day, whatever was changing with, you know, the rules at Walt Disney World or how things were being changed or whatever, whatever was going on in that crazy year that was uh, 2020. Mm -hmm. But I found that if I could just stick to facts and try to just communicate out like what it is that I'm seeing Disney's updating in their systems, like on all the sites I had trackers that I'd put on all of the, you know, policy pages that they had, they were updating seemingly like three times a week. And I just tried to find a lane there where everything that I, I would was sharing on social. These were things that were not rumors. It was, you know, fact-based coverage of Disney parks. So, okay. um, that's kind of the lane that I decided to just stay in because it's honestly what I, it's what I care about. I don't, I don't like to dabble in the, um, like personally when I'm consuming, I love, I love a good rumor, but I'm, I'm also just trying to like figure out what's real, what's not. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I try to provide a little bit of that, uh, on social. And I mean, now 2023, uh, we have all kinds of nonsense uh, parks news coming from every corner. Yeah, <laughs> it seems um, we have entire brands that are built on fake parks news now. Um, <laughs> so you know, uh, there's plenty of things to to debunk and try to dig deeper on and figure out if a rumor is legit or not. So uh, that that's kind of how I ended up you know, where I am today, but you know, it's, it's still the hobby. It's still because I enjoy it. It's because I went to the parks as a kid and went, um, I mean, I've probably been to Walt Disney world 75 or 80 times 
You know, this wasn't something that I came into because I saw, you know, this opportunity to, to cover it. This was just like this thing that I've always loved. I mean, I, you know, I was on Disboards when I was at, when I was in high school. I was in, on WDW Magic forums. Yeah. When, you know, when it was there weren't a whole lot of people uh, doing it. You know, like my memory of Disney blogs is still like Deb All Ears and Ricky at Inside the Magic. You know, like touring plans like OG touring plans. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that was, that was all like my first foot in the door with being able to join like a community for Disney fans. And then it was just kind of in the last few years that I've tried to actually do something with it. I was just a a consumer for a while. So, yeah. And I've got to think that I have like my theories about how some of these news outlets throw out rumors out there and and how where they get their information from and i th- feel like some of the information they get is purposely false to <laughs> to try to see who's sharing what within the company and to try to find leaks if you will that's kind of how i feel some of the stuff kind of works i was gonna say i think that's more rare now than maybe it used to be but i mean Walt Disney World absolutely does that 100%. I can tell you for a fact that they do it. I just don't think they do it as much as they used to because they have ways to figure that stuff out that doesn't require, you know, bad info to get out. But, (laughs) um, you know, they absolutely can, whether it's like an intentional lie that or, or misleading info they might test to see if they can figure out you know who's leaking there, i think there's more uh they have more of an ability to track down legitimate rumors that maybe only a certain group of people would know about yeah it's out you know like they they have a, a lot more ways to to figure that out now but it is it is interesting to see some rumors sometimes where you just look at it and you're like yeah that's that's a plan <laughs> and i would also think that you know in in your you know your line of work you have to have a trust level with whoever it is you talk to whether it be other news outlets or within disney itself and you know you don't want to put yourself in your job in jeopardy by hearing from some other place so i understand i appreciate and i'm sure everybody listening here appreciates you sticking to facts and not pushing you know whatever kind of rumor you might hear because it you know it's not fact checked and it's um and it just you know can not that not that disney parks news is any is like life-changing for the most part although for some people it probably is but it's good to at least know that you know we're getting truthful information somewhere yeah and i don't i don't really fault anyone for reporting on rumors but it's just the 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 thing that always bothers me is publicly sharing the, the, a rumor in the effort to confirm it is is <laughs> something that that really just I mean this is like one of the things I'm most passionate about like that is just lazy like that's yeah. lazy you know like the the job is to take a rumor and to try to confirm it before you just put it out there in an effort to like be like well 
we'll just put it out there and then by putting it out there we'll get a couple people to message us and tell us if it's real or not like that that's just it's pretty lazy and it bothers me when when i see that because it's obvious sometimes that that is exactly what's going on when some rumors could be easily discounted uh by just talking to a couple people or uh even if we're talking about like talking to other you know uh other members of the media like just like smoke testing instead of just putting it out there in an effort to figure out if it's real or not like that 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 is very annoying for me i know that there's lots of other reasons sites will post rumors for like for clicks or or whatever but like the putting out of a, a rumor that someone is maybe unsure about and they're going to use like public discourse to figure out if it's right or if it's correct or not. It's, yeah. It's just yeah. annoying. Yeah. Um, uh, and I can't imagine how it works in like the real world where we have like, you know, we have to deal with laws and politicians and that kind of thing. And, and how much of that, like, and you figure like how much of that happens, like, you know, in real news as opposed to, you know, what we're dealing with here. But I guess that's another that's a story for another day. Yeah. All right. So so you so relatively speaking, you've been kind of doing this theme park journalism since you'd say 2016. Yeah, that's probably about right. 2015, 2016. I mean, you know, I've been on Twitter since 2009 and I've been tweeting about the parks and covering the parks since then. But Probably like 2015, 2016 is when I feel like I actually was trying. This is the best way to put it. Instead of just being a, a fan, I was actually trying to produce something that was meaningful to the community. It was probably 2016, yeah. Okay. And we talked before about this, but I guess just just so like we can understand how that kind of works is, especially nowadays, they have a Disney has a press event for something. Um, call it, you know, the opening. They had, well, for example, they had Disney 100, right? They had a big press event for that. So, do you personally get invited by Disney? Does your, where you work for, get an invite and they send you? Does is that kind of how that works? Or do you, did you? I don't know. Did you not even go? I, I think you were there, but were you yeah. not there as a member of the, as the, as the press as opposed to just on your own type thing? It's- it depends. Like sometimes there are events where Nexstar would get an invite or like one of our stations is KTLA. So if we're talking about Disneyland, there are times when KTLA would be invited to an event and it's possible that someone at KTLA would go or maybe I would go on behalf of Nexstar and KTLA. Uh, there are Sometimes I will get a, an invite just sent to me. It really varies just based on uh, the event and kind of who is putting on the event because they have, you know, there's there's a difference between a the Disney 100 kickoff event that just kind of happened to be at Disneyland. You know, there's a difference in how that process would go down versus like an event for the opening of the Flower and Garden Festival at Epcot, where mm-hmm. most of the people that they want to have there are a lot of the uh, Disney blogs that or have people that are local in Orlando. Like it's just different how they handle those. And that comes from different organizations within the company, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, like, Disney has, like, media relations, they have communications, they have their PR department. There's all kind of different, like, bigger events. It's kind of everyone is, you know, all all in on what that event is. Like, okay. you know, like, uh, like Tron opening. Everybody's going to be in on that. But some of the smaller things you may have, like, just the media relations team is handling bringing in people that they want to experience like star cruiser or Disney cruise line, like the, not all of those will touch all of the different departments. And usually the smaller ones are when they're reaching out to people uh, individually or reaching out to people that they know will be writing for certain outlets. Okay. Has there ever been a time where you get invited to the same thing from two different spot parts of the company and they don't realize that they've each one has invited you uh not typically no they okay yeah disney they do they do a good job with those things those events which are in my brain it's a mess like just even (laughs) trying to think about like organizing all of that they do a good job of understanding that there's very different needs from different groups of people that will be there you know like when you have a an event that's um you have journalists you have uh people from uh, the disney like disney blogs you've got influencers you've got um all across the whole you know all, all of the people are, are at these events they all have different reasons to be there they have different things they're trying to cover uh-huh. so they do a good job but yeah, if, I don't think I've ever had a situation where even for a big event, you know, it may be different people handling and reaching out, inviting uh, or asking media if they would like to come cover it. Uh, but I don't think I've ever seen it come from two different departments or anything like that. Okay. All right. I just feel like it's such a big company. I can see some somebody not talking to somebody else and not realizing that they're doing the same thing. Yeah, but hasn't hasn't happened yet. But you know, you never know. Yeah. Okay. Are you only covering Disney? Do you only want to cover Disney? Have you done other theme park companies? Universal. It was the big one. Yeah, I mean, I try to keep an eye on bigger stuff from Universal. I don't have a ton of personal interest in Universal, so I mean, I'm very interested in. Uh, Epic Universe, Super Nintendo World in Hollywood, and then the one they're building in Orlando. Yeah. Um, we as a family don't go to Universal as much, but like, I mean, I don't have a negative thing to say about Universal at all. Like, this mm-hmm. is not, I, I don't get the whole, you know, versus blue or whatever, you know, like, it's, yeah. it, I don't, I don't really get that. Um, I just don't, everyone has a favorite in everything, and Disney, world when i was a kid that's where i went and it's kind of still where i'm the most interested personally so i I usually try to cover bigger things that are happening at universal and often things at universal that i feel like are happening that would have some type of impact on like what it is that we know disney is doing or things that might matter to people that are fans of disney world so but i you know, I try not to cover 
menu like uh, food and wine or flower and garden festival menus at Epcot anyway, but I, I'm certainly not covering any of that type of stuff at Universal. Yeah, we focus more on Disney because it's just the bigger one. And that's where most of, like our hosts, most of us like to go. Uh, not that they don't like Universal. I, I mean, I've gone once in the last, well, I guess I've gone twice in the last 20 years of my life. For me, it's just I don't really have a connection to their properties. Yeah. So I don't feel like like I never watched or read Harry Potter when I was a kid. Simpsons. I don't care about Simpsons, you know. Yeah. So like their big stuff doesn't really, you know, connect with me at all. I didn't play and, and even going forward, like Nintendo, I didn't we didn't have video games growing up. So like Nintendo, I would play at like my cousin's house when we would visit. So like right. Mario, although it looks really cool, it does. I'm for me, I'm like, that's nice for those people that like that. But I don't, right. really, I don't really get into that. Like I'm just, you know, I I like my Carousel of Progress and my my 1970, uh, you know, audio animatronic show. Right. <laughs> But I know I understand I'm different too because I like older things more than anything else. There's no wrong. Like that's that's something that is. Um, I mean, it's ironic that I do spend most of my time on Twitter where there is a wrong. There's a right oh, yeah. and a wrong with everything. But I mean, like we we could all we could all use just taking a step back and just realizing that everything everything we're saying is that's just the way it is. Like yeah, none of this means that. Universal's doing anything poorly. They're doing a like they're they're doing an amazing job on those parks. And I mean, like what they're doing at Epic Universe, I wish Disney would would do, which is you know build things at a normal pace, a fast pace. <laughs> like I wish Disney could have 20 boom lifts the way that they have at Epic Universe right now, building like crazy. I wish Disney would do that, but. I work. I don't know if you realize this. I work for a construction company. Uh, we work in Florida and we work at the theme parks. And um, we are contracted at Epic. And I could. I'll tell you off here what we're doing. Sorry, guys. Universal pushes the workers and they push to get everything done on time. They will pay overtime, whereas Disney does does not want to pay overtime to get things done. So that that drags things out. Yeah. Um, and the other problem now, too, is there is a shortage of construction workers in Florida. And it's only going to get worse as they start building more things. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it's hard to just get people just hard to get people to work on, on your projects. You know, the less people it makes it takes longer to build. But anyway, no, that's fine. I just I don't have anything against Universal other than, like I said, I, their their properties for the most part, I don't really, you know, resonate with. So but but it does for other people. So that's good. Yeah. And I want to ask you now, you've been talking about Twitter, you don't have a website, you don't have a blog. So I guess I'm just curious, why did you decide to focus on Twitter versus these other outlets that exist? Uh, I mean, it really was just, um, I I felt like I saw a, a lane for providing the content on the platform versus, you know, starting another blog that I would try to be linking off to if I'm sharing on Twitter and it's just easier. I mean, I, I admire all of the people in the Disney community that have blogs, have podcasts, have, you know, all these influencers that 
put their face on camera 20 times a day like yeah. this it's it's a lot and i mean if if i was trying to make it the only job that i i do i would obviously have to figure out a way to to, to do that but i i've just never felt the as, as much as you're just kind of saying you're just not super interested in the the ip at, at universal it's kind of like i'm i'm the same way where i like kind of doing it this way where you you get to share a breaking news headline and you don't have to be on the hook for writing a thousand words about it yeah you know yeah but there's and there's people that do a great job and i you know i i will gladly link off to a, a tom bricker article that's two thousand words and you know explains things well and then i'll just try to stay in my lane on the, the breaking news side yeah no tom's great i've never met him but i saw him once and his camera was like the length of a tree yeah. <laughs> it was huge <laughs> yeah yeah like Tom's i've never great. seen a camera that big before <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah he's great uh yep and his his camera is insane that's for sure <laughs> don't go through security with him that's it so. oh <laughs> <laughs> um now Twitter has been purchased. It's not. It's now private, as we all know about Elon Musk. So, has do you think that has helped or hurt your? I I put in notes business, but I don't know how you want to treat that. But is that um? Are you and then are you concerned at all about how like what he's doing and how Twitter is change or has changed in the last couple? Excuse me, couple of months since that happened. Uh, I mean, I don't. I'm not a fan of all of it, but. It, you know, I might be proven wrong, but I mean, Twitter's going to be around. Um, I don't like the way that it seems he's willing to just torpedo a lot of what it was and still is in some ways, but I think it will exist in some fashion forever. And if I'm wrong, then my bad. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if, if if they shut it down tomorrow, then it will have been fun. I I don't know where we will all go to to get our our news, our breaking news, not just for Disney, but everything. So yeah. um, that's why I think it will always have a place. And if, if it were to shut down tomorrow, then you know Instagram would build a a news feed that looks just like Twitter and that's where we would end up <laughs> wherever wherever we would go if facebook instagram same company they have a you know two billion users so i mean it's just a matter of one of them or is it google you know everybody's got a gmail account now one of them building something quickly to try to you know capture that the audience that you know is sort of left behind by twitter that still wants that you know short and sweet headline type information that twitter gives you all right so I want to get into biggest breaking news stories you can remember from your career. So I guess if, if you want to stick with 2016 and up, you can do that. Or if you want to go beyond that, you can do that too. I had a couple listed, but uh, I don't want to speak for you. What was your like biggest break, if you will, the biggest thing that you heard and that you put out there that you know you were just surprised about? Yeah, I mean, Iger stepping down first time, that was – I was at Hollywood Studios when that happened. So I wasn't super plugged in to the 
on the breaking news side. So I got it when everyone else did. But I mean, that was that was a surprise. And what's what's wild is I was with someone um, who is in the the Disney community, but I won't name him. But literally, as soon as that news came out, it was maybe two weeks before. I don't I don't even remember the timeline for for COVID. It, yeah, I have wrote it down. It was two weeks before um, yeah. they announced the closure. Yeah, and so he immediately said. Iger will let Chapek be the fall guy and he'll come back. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just a little scary how spot on uh, that prediction was. I didn't make that prediction, so I can't even try to take credit for that. But so that one was weird. The Chapek one, I did get a heads up on it, but I didn't believe it. And it was a matter of like two minutes <laughs> of absolute wild like adrenaline as I was trying to find a way to get it confirmed before I could actually get the, e I mean, I, I had the email, but I, I thought it was a hack fake or something. And I was able to get someone who knew, knew to confirm that the email was, was real. And then that that's kind of how that all happened. But I mean, the, my personal story with that is it happened and shared it. And of course that, that was late in the evening on a Sunday night, I think. Right. Yeah, Sunday night. And then I have, I have two kids and one of those kids was very, very sick that night. And so I was in between holding the bucket for my wow. child <laughs> <laughs> and then also trying to check in on, this absolute wild, you know, craziest Disney news we've had in, in a long time night. So that was a, a very memorable evening in this house. So, but yeah, that was wild. The theme parks closing, like I was in the parks on a family trip the last week, the park was open, just happened to be, that's, that was our family trip and driving home to North Carolina uh, is when Disney announced they were closing. So that was all very number I pulled over was driving literally driving back had to pull over when I, I got a, a note that they were about to announce that so that was that was also very memorable I think I think we all of us probably have a, a memory of where we were during that but yeah and then the lack of announcements at the d23 expo were certainly uh, memorable in the same way that the chapek firing felt like like it wasn't real that expo felt like it wasn't real um, <laughs> because it was just kind of like it ended and it, it nothing happened but but it at least for me being in the room there was some excitement about the stuff that was announced and so you kind of get got caught up in like the reaction even though you're furiously trying to take notes and all of that. And I didn't even get to watch. Like I didn't even get to look up at the screen for some uh, of the like previews. Um, so like I didn't catch it all, but I was like taking in like kind of the reaction of people and you, you sometimes, I, I felt like I was giving that a little too much credit and then, it, but it was like, it's over. And I started looking at everything. I'm like, 
what did we actually what did we get like what did we yeah. announce like there there was this you know the blue sky conversation was so strange but in the moment it was kind of interesting but then when it was over that's when you realize that that was it and so it was like in the moment you're kind of like oh this is really interesting but then when you figured out that that was that was the it is kind of when i think everyone was like well what just happened <laughs> we just got you know we're getting kicked out now without anything really confirmed so mm -hmm. that was that was a a strange that was a strange afternoon for sure just to go back when chapek gets fired and you said you got the email you got the bob Iger email that he sent out to employees is yes. that the email you're talking about yep okay yep. my brother works for disney he works in for corporate in burbank so he sent me the screenshot of the email it was eight o'clock on a sunday night and i was like getting ready to just like watch the football game and just enjoy <laughs> a little peace and quiet before i have to go to work on monday you know mm -hmm. and um he sent me this the email and i'm like what <laughs> and and i see a tweet from another journalist i do not remember his name i apologize saying you know the same thing and i thought well twitter's been having this like weird thing where things are fake now that that's not real <laughs> that's a fake account and then at that same second my brother sends me the picture of the of the email i'm like oh that is real so then i'm like well i gotta check scott because he's gonna know and i think in the time of me trying to check you like my phone just stops working because so many like i'm seeing so many different like in notifications people texting me did you see this did you see that and my phone just like just can't handle it and it was just the whole night of just people you know constantly retweeting this and sending out articles and talking about what happened what is this and and i knew that chapek was supposed to be at that elton john concert that was starting yeah like in an hour from when that email was sent out yeah and man. i was like this, this is that doesn't make any sense there why would they fire the guy and then have the concert that on a sunday night that doesn't that, that doesn't make sense why would they do that no none of it made sense and that's why i mean i was so the goal in journalism is to not screw up a story like that. You want to be first. You want to break a story. But, I mean, I, I've i never sat on a bigger story longer than I did with that one, even though it was just a matter of like five or six minutes probably. But it was just because there was this disbelief. I was yeah. just... I was like, I gotta make sure. And I needed the confirmation from the people that gave me the confirmation that not only was it real, that it wasn't like a hack or faked. You know, I needed, I was able to confirm that the email did go out, but then I was still questioning whether what I was reading was actually real because, you know, that type of email going out during market hours would be a reason for someone to fake it not so much on a sunday night so like i i was going through i was trying to consider everything but i i needed the the final confirmation from someone to not only confirm that the email did go out to those employees but also that it was 
accurate. And then it was, it was a, it was not a hack basically. So yeah. it was wild. The parks panel. Ugh, that was, yeah. I mean, they, they announced things coming back that were gone, you know, like happily ever after, for example, like you said, then they do this blue sky thing and, and they just kind of, they were like kind of having a, um, like a like a boardroom type like meeting where they're throwing like darts on a wall and saying hey what do you think about this what do you think about this and then nothing is decided upon but they did that all in front of us which was just very strange <laughs> it was so strange i don't know if that was like intentional or did they really just not have any idea what they wanted to do and they just wanted to see like a reaction from you know the people in the room what do they like what they don't like i mean we all hear stuff. I've heard a lot of stuff in my time covering the parks, but I have not heard one legitimate good explanation for what happened in that parks panel. Not even like from, I just, I, nothing. I mean, like people that I feel like should know are not really sure why it was what it was. I don't know if they, you know, had some things they were going to announce and then they kind of had to pull it last minute. So they had to fill it. I don't know if I don't know. Like I can't even come up with a good theory uh, for it, but I do think that they'll make up for it this year at the the D twenty three destination event. D. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll make up for it. Yeah. Okay. I was just surprised that they didn't really didn't like confirm what's going on with Dino Land and why you know why they got rid of the ride, the uh, primeval role, but they're not like saying what they're going to put in that spot i just that was just kind of they were spending too much time announcing restaurants at disneyland <laughs> yeah that's well yeah they stay they announced the the bakeries and such and um yeah, yeah ding, ding typhon and all that um I, I apologize if i said that name wrong i don't i don't think i've ever seen that name out loud before <laughs> i just know people like it so talking about chapek and Iger, i i'm curious why do you, if you want to get into this, why do you think Chapek failed even after he got a contract extension? I mean, I think Chapek was failing when he got his contract extension. I think the contract extension was a, I think it was them trying to fix something that they knew they needed to try to fix. Uh, and they hoped that by having this, having the board back Chapek, that it would change it would change things. And I'll say, like, Chapek after that was a different person um, in the second half of last year. It did not ultimately end up working out for him, but, you know, he grew the beard. He seemed <laughs> more relaxed in settings where he normally was not. Um, he was more uh, open to, like, conversing with people outside of his super close inner circle but i don't know if it was a matter of like too little too late or what with with him um but you know the 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 florida bill was the beginning and end of shapeback um the decisions they made about uh how to handle all of that and then the decisions they made when they decided to handle it and the way that they handled it when they decided to handle it, uh, it was just wrong turn after wrong turn after wrong turn. So, and because of that, there was no conf true confidence in him, despite the board saying it. 
there's no true confidence in him being able to navigate a difficult future, which was obvious when they made the decision to let him go. Um, and there was no confidence in his ability to handle the um, Nelson Peltz, you know, mess that is over now, but yeah. that was was approaching quick and was much more scary when Chapek was let go than it was in the last. Like once we knew about it, once we kind of all knew it was happening and the the you know Peltz and his uh, people were pushing it. It was more scary when Shapek was let go, I think, to the board than it was when we all kind of were hearing about it um, because they just didn't, I don't think they had any confidence that Shapek could manage that. So, and then, and then bringing back Iger as opposed to just having somebody else do it, I guess that's them. Uh, that's either the, I, my guess is it's the board partially saying, Hey, you picked this guy. You at least, you know, on paper and and to to the public, you picked this guy. It didn't. It's not working out. You gotta have to. You kind of have to fix this. And if there's anybody that can fix this, it would be Iger because he's, you know, he's done it before. Yeah, and I mean, Iger doesn't get a pass for picking Chapek, but also he's kind of already said it was a mistake. So I'm not sure. And I'm not this guy that, that defends. Tiger at every turn, like some do. Um, but I, I do like, I do wonder at what point he's admitted it was a mistake. He's essentially said it was, it was a mistake. Yeah. So, you know, he's back and he's, he's on the hook for trying to get it right the second time. And we'll see if he does. If he doesn't, then, um, no one should ever defend him again if he botches it the second time, whether it was a ride of a lifetime or not. Like if he can't get it right this time, like this is, this is time. This is the time to, uh, if it, if he has to stick around another year, whatever it is, like Disney has been really bad at this, these handoffs, except when Iger took over, like he's got to show that the company doesn't, just exist and work because one person was in charge. Like he's got to show that the company can pass it on to someone else and they can be the right fit and do a good job. I'm assuming you read his book. No, I have not. Oh, you haven't. Oh, okay. No. I mean, Um, I I watched nearly every interview (laughs) with him during that book tour. But no, I, I could bring myself to read it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. Well, I will. I don't want to. Um, I mean, do you think you're going to plan on reading it or you don't want to you don't want to give him the. Uh, I might. I want to hear. I want to see more. I want to be more interested in Iger than I am right now. I want to like. I need to see him doing more than what we're seeing now with the company. I feel like. I want him to be a little bit more than just a mascot. Um, And Mm. I know that they're trying to work through these, some of these job eliminations and um, restructuring and all of that stuff. And I, I think he deserves time behind the scenes to figure all this out, but I, I would like to see a little bit more from him and then be more interested in him. And then maybe I'll read his book. 
Okay. <laughs> I did read it. I don't want to spoil too much of it for you. Not that there's anything to be spoiled. <laughs> it's not like it's not like it's a novel. <laughs> but basically, in game, did he did he write a book about in game? No, <laughs> no. He, 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 he I think he wanted to though. But like he, I mean, my big thing with this is that he he talked he hyped I should say Kevin Meyer and Tom Staggs, the whole book. Talked about Meyer 21 times, at least the second half of the book when he's not talking about his ABC stuff. He's talking about Disney stuff. Talked about Meyer 21 times and Stags 15 times. He talked about Chapek three times and it was only in the prologue. And then somehow they lose. I mean, they lose Stags probably because he wanted to be promoted and it never happened. He wanted to become CEO, I should say, and that never happened. And then they lose Meyer because they promote Chapek to CEO, which then sort of goes to my next question for you: Is Iger's now supposed to be? help he's supposed to be trying to find the next ceo to replace him the two ceos the Iger and eisner both had hollywood studio experience that's where their backgrounds were from you know Iger was with abc running television and eisner was with paramount running you know movies and television for them and then they get chapek who is consumer products merchandising and then into the parks for 15 years, or not 15 years, since 2015. It's well known that the Disney parks are the cash cow. They seem to always increase their revenues, regardless of, you know, for the most part, what the situation is. Obviously, COVID changed that because they were closed. The parks are like old reliable, where you always have a good stream of money coming from. Whereas the studio, it can be fluctuating depending upon how, you know, movies turn out. And sometimes you have really bad movies that come out and Whatever, or you're Chapek and you don't know how to talk to Hollywood, like the Scarlett Johansson situation, and you mess that up from the beginning. So I guess my question to you, and and just just something to think about, talk about, is Iger now has to find the next person. Should he focus on somebody with entertainment experience, like Iger and Eisner had, or should it be, or is Disney transitioning to a tech company? And should he be looking for somebody that was in that you know understands how? I don't, which I don't know if anybody understands how streaming is going to work. But hopefully, I, somebody that not, can do that, you know. Iger will not pick a person with that kind of background. I, I'm pretty confident in that. I think he will pick a creative, Hollywood-linked Dana Waldman or Dana Walden type for the job uh-huh. i don't see Iger coming back and then naming someone that is not directly connected to this thing that he feels so passionately about which is the creative side of the business so my money would be on dana she is co-chairman of disney entertainment yep. currently my dark horse is, and I know this is like a, uh, this is, you know, a flash in a pan, if you will, Kevin Feige, because he knows Hollywood. He knows, I think he knows television, at least with Disney Plus. He's worked with all of these actors and actresses and agents. And he's also a Parks fan, but not necessarily like a bean counter Parks fan, but more of a, you know, nostalgic 
but at the same time pushing he, the new stuff into you know with guardians into you know he's Epcot a genuine, and DCA and like, such. if people want to if people want to like go to kevin feige on twitter he hasn't tweeted in a while he's a little busy um <laughs> but look at who he follows more importantly because he doesn't use it to use twitter anymore but who he followed and you go back through the list of people and all he followed were just like disney blocks like he followed all ears he followed the diz like mm. he he was just like um he's a genuine parks fan um i ran into him at epcot several years ago in the bathroom near world showcase and journey into imagination it's a newer bathroom right there i saw him there he was just there with his family just there and like uh he he is a genuine park city but no i i like that i would love for him to be ceo mostly because it would be amazing to have him in that position and wearing a ball cap all the time yeah. like how cool would that be <laughs> like just <laughs> straight up you know what like and I guess he would have his, like, I don't know, like his Disney hat on. Like if he's CEO, he can have his, you know, Marvel, whatever the movie is. He has the custom hat that they make for him for that release. I don't know what it would be if he was CEO. It would just be the same Disney hat, Disney CEO hat. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I mean, he was wearing the Epcot flower logo hat before – before Epcot decided to reuse their logo within the last, I don't know, three, four years, whenever they started transitioning back to the old, like, flower logo. Like, he was wearing that. And, and you know, I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm like, this guy knows this logo. He's wearing the hat. He, he knows he, it. He knows what's going on. Yep. And at this, another thing is, for him, like, I don't know how higher up, like, where else can he go? Like, he can, like, run the whole studio. Okay, great. But, like, Marvel in terms of like you know numbers is most of the disney studio anyway in terms of like where their revenue comes in so so like what I, like i just think like where else is he gonna go that that is better than the job he has and there isn't many more jobs left at least in disney there isn't now he could go somewhere else if he wanted a challenge i don't i don't know if he does who knows you know there's rumor you know that he would go to like uh warner brothers and run you know, DC Comics and that kind of, you know, DC Studio, which James Gunn got, but which is a great job for Gunn because, like, that's the next thing you would do if you're that kind of person. Yep. So yeah. then I just think no Feige. One, no one was happier for James Gunn to be named co-CEO of DC than Kevin Feige. If James Gunn was going to leave, he's probably very happy that he now is able to say, like, why would you not think that I could be the CEO of Disney? Got James Gunn over here in the co-CEO job at DC. You know, like there's your precedent. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, and for all, and you know, Disney's all about image, and from everything I can tell, Feige has a clean image. So it's just, if I had to put money on something, that's what I would do. I put money on Feige, like, like as a dark horse being the CEO. I don't know when, you know, in the next three years, I guess. I guess that's what it's supposed to be, right? Within the next two years. But anyway, we'll see if it's we'll see if it's <laughs> extended. We know how we know how Iger does. So, all right. So we're speculating on CEO. I want to now speculate theme parks specific. Where do you see theme parks 
theme parks and we could stay with Disney. That's fine. But if you want to get into the Epic Universe stuff, right? And and I'm just talking more about like beyond what we already know. Beyond Epic Universe. We know Epic Universe is opening 2025. Universal announced their Texas small park. I don't that's not the word for it, but they're you know, they're branching out into that and then plus the thing in Las Vegas. So but beyond what has already been announced, where do you think these companies with these parks are going to be doing? What do you, or what do you think they should be doing? In your opinion? Um, I mean, I I know there's been a lot uh, the blue sky announcements from from Disney. I would like to see Disney just stop worrying about um, lands. I just just build just give us capacity give us attractions and if you need to justify it by calling it beyond big thunder and you put three things in there like um i I know there's people that feel very passionately about this but i think we have to get over everything needing to be in the proper land and placement and you know, everything needing to have this land and we spend our money on just really good attractions. Like let the attraction be the land. I mean, if we could take back, I love Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, I do. But so much money was spent on that land when, you know, we could have maybe got another couple of attractions out of the money that was spent on the land. Um, Yeah. I don't wish they had done that. What they did was right. But like, I don't want them to keep doing that is, is my main point. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have uh, built Galaxy's Edge. I, I think it's a an amazing place. But like, not everything needs a land. Like, if you're going to build an Encanto attraction, just build an Encanto attraction. Don't like get cornered into thinking that it has to be a land. And the main reason is because this is why stuff drags out at Disney is they has to go through all these councils and these people and all these approval processes and then things just don't happen. I'd like to see them move a little quicker on these ideas, these Imagineers that have these really good ideas that are just sitting and waiting for the right funding. But that's that's my two cents as far as like the the tech i mean i hope i hope disney's tech gets better uh overall would you um, agree that like just the the functioning of the app just is not what it should be it's not the app the app's it's not, not the, the app. problem okay yeah the, the problem or the all of the systems that disney has that the app is trying to talk to that's the problem the app is not the problem but when you have like seven different systems that have all been around for 20 years and they just keep building on top of them and on top of them and on top of them. And then you want an app that pulls from all seven of those systems. Like that's why it is a terrible user experience is because of all of the things it's trying to pull from. I mean, there are there are issues with the app. It, it's super bloated. They put stuff in there they don't need to put in the app. But, you know, it's not really the app that is the issue. It's Disney is not 
fully invested in actually spending the money to redo all of the resort booking systems and have them linked up, um, you know, to all of the other systems that they have. That That is what I think is the bigger issue. This is kind of like off topic. It's not off topic. It's off cuff, whatever. Do they employ people on their own or is that all farmed out to software companies that are doing that? No, they have, they have people of their own. Yeah, I mean, I think they do, like every company, I think they will bring in contract for certain things. But, I mean, they have a lot of people in-house that work on the things that we we see. But, you know, I, I know for a fact there are specific things in the apps that are currently, you know, being tested and in development and all of that that are not specifically disney people working on it but they're companies that they have building certain things inside the app i don't think there's anything wrong with farming i mean if you want to get the best thing you know for your money if that means you have to hire an outside firm do it but make sure it works before you push it out to the guests which it seems like that doesn't happen in my experience yeah i mean there's there's a lot of things that companies deal with. You got to, you know, I mean, they added the, like the car locator uh, functionality in the app, which is, I feel like it's a good idea, but like that was a sponsored thing. Mm-hmm. And while it can be pitched as being useful to the guest, the reason it exists in there is because it was sold sold sponsorship yeah and i mean we all like in our in my day job i deal with stuff like that i'm sure you do too like sometimes you you don't always get to make decisions based on like what makes the most sense sometimes you have to make sense of something that doesn't make sense oh yeah (laughs) Um, and that's that's what they do with the apps that's what you know imagineering has to do that when they have this idea for this really good attraction about going back to the Big Bang for Epcot, and then they are told that the Guardians of the Galaxy need to be a part of it, and then they have to figure out how to make that work. I mean, that's what we saw. It's exactly what we saw happen with Cosmic Rewind, was that exact situation play out. So, you know, we we all deal with things like that. I think the app has maybe too many of those, and um, at some point, Disney will have to you know, spend the money and take the time to not keep building on top of all of those different systems and try to build systems that make sense for 2023 and not patch systems from, you know, the 2010s and and, and earlier to work in 2023. Yeah, I mean, even like I was on uh, Galactic Star Cruiser a couple weeks ago and, you know, everything is done on the app. It's well, okay. It's the Disney Play app, which is different than the My Disney Experience app. But every time I go into the app, I have to select that I was on. The, I'm on the Star Cruiser. I'm not doing these other games that are available, you know, to play at Disney World. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, like they, you know, they've spent how much time and money developing this experience, and they've got us paying how much money to be here. <laughs> 
and I still got to cycle through these screens to get to the data pad screen and it has to load every time. <laughs> and I'm just like, nobody thought of this like before they pushed this out and it's been a year now and it's, I'm still having to do this. Yeah. That's wild. I don't think I've heard that before, but I mean, that's, I think star cruiser, we probably could have a, a, a whole separate conversation about star cruiser. I think star cruiser suffers from, a experience that is not for all obviously there's only you know 100 rooms so even though there's such a high cost they only were able to and are still able to justify spending money for certain things and like whatever would be required to make it make that easier like they could never get that prioritized and that I don't know that that's just kind of, I'm just guessing. Yeah. But like that, that is the most likely scenario is it's like, yes, that's an inconvenience, but you know, if, if that were, if that were happening at the parks, magic kingdom, they would fix it. But because it's star cruiser and there's so few guests that are impacted, even though we, Spent, Even though you're you know. spending all of this money, <laughs> like that's, I that's how they that's how it works. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and I'm not giving a defense for it. I think. No, I know. Trying to explain like my theory on why you don't work there. <laughs> yeah. Why things end up like that? Because I, I have a feeling that that's how it goes with that whole project. Um, yeah. I mean, like, why can't I check my park pass thing on the app it flips out it goes out of the app into a website and then i have to re-sign in to the website oh boy now i'm just now i'm just complaining about things just to complain about i'm sorry i mean i, I don't know i i heard a rumor last year that park pass is going away <laughs> <laughs> in early this year i mean i don't i don't like the park pass although I did make a mistake last time I was there and I had to pass for the wrong place and I showed up and they just flipped it for me. I didn't, I didn't even ask. They didn't say, why did you park? Why did you do the wrong debt or the wrong um, park? Did you know you did this? Like they didn't even, no questions. The guy just came, he did the iPad, he hit a couple of buttons, scanned, and then I was in Magic Kingdom. So, you know. I understand. I mean, we. I think we all understand why they have the pass, park pass system is to know how many people are showing up, so they know how to staff it. But it's just yeah. funny how they can, they can still. And that was President's Day, on the a busiest day of the year, one of the busiest day of the year. They're still okay. Well, we could just flip it. Who cares? Wow, that's wild. Yeah. Even on President's Day, it's crazy. Like my friend was like, "Well, they they do it for me all the time. Just do it." I'm like, "On President's Day, they're gonna do this." <laughs> I can't I can't blame them if they won't. <laughs> it's a yeah. busy day, but that just shows you that I mean there are tweaks coming to that system, but if they can just do it on President's Day like that, then it's time for it's time for some for serious rethinking of, of that whole system. Yeah. But I mean it's it's coming, but it's gonna be a bit. And I was one person, maybe that's the difference. It was just me. If I had a family of ten, maybe they would have been like, no. But what's right. the difference? Like, but then at that point, it's like, what's the difference? It's just ten people, whatever. But all right, my next question for you: In the next ten years, what do you see the trends coming from 
the theme park companies and how they are going to like entertain us. Do you think it's more building out more big lands, big rides, big experiences? Is it more something intimate like Star Cruiser is where it's just, you know, for a select few that can afford something? Do you think it's a mix of both? What do you think? I think a mix of both. I think the, I guess I hope as much as I think that the focus will be on creating experiences that also can have the extra, you know, if it's a tech, tech upgrade or tech experience inside of that actual ride or experience or, you know, wearables, something like that, and not this push to the the big box, you know, thing that Chapek always talked about, wanting to have this building that could be a ride that's VR that they could change, you know, from one day to the next. Um, I don't have a ton of interest in that, but I'm hoping that it's, you know, the the focus stays on creating really immersive attractions and you know, I don't I don't think I need Disney World building a new park, but I do need them to add more capacity. So that's that's my hope. Galaxy's Edge was built uh it it probably it most likely was built for Disneyland and then they just kind of copy pasted it for Walt Disney World. That's kind of what everybody thinks. Um by doing that though, they it's next to the highway or whatever World Drive, I think that is. Um I don't think it's really a highway, but uh, it's it's stuck where it is. Uh, so they really the only I mean they can't really expand. If they expand, they got to start tearing. They got to start getting rid of capacity, like Muppet Vision and and then Star Tours next to that. Do you think like they could have done a Star Wars theme park? Do you think they should have? Do you think Star Wars like was worthy of that? Uh, I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't because it would have probably bankrupt the company. <laughs> I mean, it would have. I mean, Galaxy's Edge was already over budget. And, I mean, they built it all on, you know, the most recent trilogy and all of that. Um, I I have major issues with the whole storyline rules that come with Galaxy's Edge. Uh You know, like how they're not allowed to have fun. Um, (laughs) It's it's really frustrating. I mean... (laughs) As, I'm not really a big star. I'm, I'm really not a big Star Wars fan um, at all. But uh-huh. so I kind of feel like I'm always talking about it, looking at it from an outsider's perspective, because I'm not as passionate about it. But like, it's just, it just, it's frustrating to to see how there's so many things that they can do in that space and they can't because of rules, rules that they've made up. Yeah. And we feel like they have to enforce. Instead of just being like, you know what? Star Wars weekends were freaking fun, man. Mickey and Minnie dressed up like freaking Darth Vader out there doing dances. Like that stuff was silly. But why are we not allowed to be silly anymore? Like it's probably the most or the reason I'm most excited about things like um, Rogers the Musical that they announced for Disneyland. Like that's just straight up silly. Like it's just like. It's just fun. Yeah. And the fact that someone at Disney greenlit that shows me that somewhere there are people that 
are like, you know what, let's just, let's just try it. Let's have some fun. And galaxy's edge has always felt like they can't do that. It's like <laughs> you walk, it's like going to church or something. You, you have to be serious. You can't, you know, like, and it, there's every time they talk about why can't something happen in galaxy's edge, there's someone to, to chime in and give you the reason why. And if there's all these rules, like when if you have a kid and you surround them with a bunch of rules, I can promise you they're not having fun. And Galaxy's Edge sometimes feels like that way for me, especially beyond what it is that it is now. But like 10 years from now, like really hope we're not still sticking all these rules when Star Wars keeps introducing all of these amazing new stories and characters. And we have Galaxy's Edge that's apparently just stuck they have like a really good character that people like ray everybody loves ray yep why aren't they why don't we have more ray movies or ray tv shows coming out that they can at least like i mean i i guess it wouldn't be in the timeline but at least they would have they could promote her more and it would get me maybe more people you know excited for that everyone loves finn everybody loves poe like people we like the we like like we like the new characters my view on this is like we like the new characters, but they really botched the stories up of these like the last two movies. And like you said, they have all these new characters, you know, a Mandalorian and Grogu and 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 in, at least and at least in Florida, they're they're not even bringing them out because, like you said, because of the rules. There is hope. Oh, there is hope. There is hope. OK, that's all well, I'll say. OK, as we record this on February 28th. If I'm allowed to say that, there hope. is hope. There is hope, hope in the galaxy. There is. We'll see. Hey, listeners, Adam here. We recorded this episode on Tuesday, February 28th, and as you know by now, March 1st, Wednesday, Disney debuted The Mandalorian and Grogu at Disney's Hollywood Studios as walk-around characters in Star Wars: Galaxy's Edge. So the hope that Scott was referring to was uh, the Mandalorian and Grogu coming to Florida. Sorry, we couldn't get this out that day, but there you go. Scott predicted it for us. Thanks. And, and I mean, coming, I don't think coming from the Star Cruiser back to Batu, like, I don't know. I didn't, I mean, maybe I'm cynical, which I am, <laughs> but like if I would have seen the Mandalorian in there, I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have like started having a problem that my experience was ruined. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, would a ten-year-old maybe? But. Uh, I, don't I don't know. know. I think that ten-year-old would be pretty excited. Exactly. <laughs> like. Uh, no one is ever gonna win this. I mean, I mean, some. If I had this argument with someone, they probably would ultimately win because they would bring more facts to the argument and i'm just like what well, just come on like come on but no one will ever convince me that this makes sense like i just don't buy i just don't buy it when everyone should be able to say the alternative would be a heck of a lot more fun if people could actually meet grogu and meet the mandalorian and like i mean all of the characters like what just Make it where they can, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Invent some, make some invention. 
where characters from anywhere at any time can just pop into a certain part of Galaxy's Edge. Like, I don't know. Like, be creative. Just make it work. If it's yeah. silly, it's silly. But like, if if there's a silly way for for people to be able to meet those characters and not be told that they're they're stuck in a different timeline, like. But anyway, like I think. Well, the fact is that like they're they're losing potential i think they're losing you know potential money and potential like in merchandise and such that they're not getting because they're not they don't have these characters there they don't have the the people that the people want to see they're losing fun i mean it's just those are the facts and the the timeline people will always be right because it's not wrong but it's also just like like we we need to be able to break free of that at some point so but there's hope all right speaking of fun your favorite new addition to the parks um could be a ride a service uh an app a button on an app anything or multiple things (laughs) (laughs) favorite addition to the parks i mean cosmic cosmic rewind is a lot of fun um twice in my what I would call my adult life, have I laughed out loud, like from joy on an attraction, like just feeling like a kid. And that was the first time I rode Flight of Passage and uh, Cosmic Rewind, first time riding that one. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's it's not perfect, but it's, it is a, a really just fun time. So I would have to say that would have to be my my favorite favorite new edition i've described it as um, if you've ever gone drifting in a car like in a parking lot after a snow storm yep. what you're facing forward but you're sliding sideways that's the feeling that i get and it you don't get that you really don't get that anywhere unless if you're either drifting on purpose or you're in an a, you're going into an accident in a car which you don't want to do but right. but yeah no it's it and adding the the music, some most of the songs just sort of like enhance it. Like it's not just like some kind of like star star field type, you know, randomness. It's like they like you know let's let's push a, you know, a, a fast paced high energy song to match it and and it's great. So yeah, it's it's fun and it's it's also just kind of like um. It doesn't require this deep understanding of, of anything. Like any person can just go ride that and have fun um, without even knowing who the Guardians of the Galaxy are. So I feel like they did yeah. a good job. Least favorite change or addition that you think has made the experience worse for the guest? Yeah, this one's this one is actually Genie Plus. Um, and it's I know that's like an easy answer, but it's it was just such an unnecessary an unnecessary change that has been so negatively received when it didn't have to be and it was a subpar product that was launched before it was ready they didn't put as much money into it as they should have building it before it launched they just basically decided they would rebuild fast pass because they couldn't 
they they were worried about the public perception to FastPass now being paid. And so instead they built this thing that essentially does the same thing. You have to yeah. Pay. And there was no one along the way that was like, is it a is it a better product? Like what is what do we like forget the pay part? Like I don't care that we have to pay for it. Personally. I know some people still feel very passionately about that. And I, I get it. Um I would have I would pay twice as much as I pay for Genie Plus if I could get FastPass Plus back. And I think there's a lot of people that would probably agree with that. You want um, FastPass Plus like booking rides two months ahead of time back. That's what you're talking about? Not necessarily, but just okay. um I mean the system worked. Like forget the two months before. Like the the actual system itself was functional. And it wasn't um I mean I feel like a lot of the problems with, with Genie Plus are all of the different rules and the times and you know, I didn't like the fact that I had to book mine train two months out if I wanted to ride it for a trip. Like that was that was silly. I I completely agree, but the system itself worked. And I didn't feel like when I'm in the park that I'm playing a game that I don't want to play. Yeah. That's what Genie Plus is. It's like you are required to play this crappy game all day and you don't want to play it, but you got to. It's like someone forcing you to play Candy Crush when you don't want to play Candy Crush <laughs> and you hate it. That's what it is. You are gaming your day. And your entire day is built around like attaining this status as the all knowing Genie Plus doer. And you don't, you're not actually, I mean, I, I see so many dads and moms on attractions, on attractions, like booking the next thing. And if they want to do that, that's fine. But if you're requiring to, them to do that, if you have essentially required people to do that, then you have completely uh, disregarded the importance of like the satisfaction of guests and their desire to tell someone about how much fun they had or to come back. Um, when you're requiring them to play the game, they don't want to play all day long. They're doing it on attractions. They're not even getting the payoff for that then it's just this big cycle of crap and that's the best way i can describe <laughs> genie plus and you know i think that they're trying to i think they're going to try to make changes to it to make it not so crappy um but i don't know like at its core i don't i don't know if it's ever going to work the way they want it to work at walt disney world it works fine at Disneyland. That's because people don't pick, people don't buy it. Like most people go there, they just they're they're not going to pay the extra twenty five dollars for it. Yeah. And so when you buy it there, you're competing against fewer people in this game that you don't want to play. So it actually, except on really popular days, like it works fine. Um, some of the attractions get backed up on some of those crowded days. Like there are pain points for Disneyland but 
Um, my frustration with Genie Plus is just that it wasn't ready. They pushed it out, and they have not, in my opinion, they have not acted um, as quickly as they should have from the beginning and still at this point are not acting as quickly as they should to make it a better experience for the guest. I, I could talk for five hours about Genie Plus. <laughs> the fact that you're paying for it makes you now want to get your money's worth. So people will try yeah. to find the next thing as opposed to when it was free. It wasn't really, you know, you, you maybe you, you didn't you didn't have anything to take advantage of because everybody got the same thing. Um, yeah, people you, you would book your three ahead of time. I don't have the data. Disney does. I don't officially have the data, but Disney does. Yeah. But the people were not redeeming all, all three of those. And what they didn't take into account is the redemption rates for Genie Plus. And it's exactly the reason you just said. You're going to redeem it when you pay for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this pass if I've got it. And not only am I going to use these as I book them, I want to book more, and I'm going to keep booking them. I want to get my money's worth. Even though it's a sunk cost, I'm going to get my money's worth out of this thing. Um, and people do. And I just don't think Disney accounted for, like, how the different product and charging people for it would change guest behavior and how they use a priority line access tool whatever the name is people are going to use it differently when they pay for it on disney's side because now it's monetized there's an incentive to make get as much money out of it as they can i would hope that they are being fair in terms of how many people they think they can put through the standby versus the you know the genie plus lightning lane whatever the line is called but but at the same time, like you see it where it gets backed up. It's like, well, why is it getting backed up? Well, because like the ride went down because they didn't maintain the ride. So the ride went down, but they still kept selling the slots, you know, and because they kind of they wanted to keep selling slots because the money's in, there's money there. They want to want to make up the money. And then it just, you know, creates frustration and it creates longer lines for the people that even paid for the line to be shorter. Yep. I mean, it's the cycle of crap. And there's no other way to <laughs> there's no other way to describe it. <laughs> uh, one thing, and, and I want your input on this, is like how much lead time Disney will give when they're when they put something on sale for something. For example, like I was just looking it up when they announced Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. They announced it April 28th last year for sale tickets may 18th so it's less than three weeks so i wonder like one of my pet peeves with this is they don't they will announce an event but they don't give much time for you to actually like think about what can i do it or not and i i it's probably more of a it's probably done on purpose so that we don't have time to think and we just pay for it and we just do it the same thing with like the d23 events for like the tron thing like they had the they had the d23 tron preview that you could pay for but they announced it i think it was two days before they would put it on sale so like now i'm like like 
do I have, am, am I going to be available that day? Do I need to get, you know, coverage for work? They don't give you like much leeway time for that. And I'm sure you probably at least see that given that you know, you might know ahead of time when they are announcing things, but they don't give you enough time to plan. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's just different target audience for some of them, but also like, I think, I think for like, for example, that Tron one, I think it was literally them taking a long time to figure out when they could do it because I mean, I don't, maybe people are talking about this, but I haven't seen it and it's not, I don't typically openly speculate on this type of stuff, but there's something weird going on with Tron because there is nothing scheduled for Tron the second half of the month of March. Nothing. There's a media event on the 14th. There are no previews. There's nothing for the second half of March. And what I think happened, why that D23 thing like happened so in such a tight window, is they were putting things off for some reason, I don't know. Um, but I think there, I think there could be a plan to soft open Tron, like shortly after that media event, like to regular guests. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that was the plan always. So I think they had to move everything to the front of March when there maybe was a plan to have a lot of the stuff spread out throughout the month. But wow. That's just that's just like a guess. I really don't have anything to back that up, except as of right now, there is nothing scheduled for the second half of March, and this ride opens on April fourth. The ride's not going to sit there for two weeks during some of the crowdest, most crowded time at Disney parks. Like, so we'll yeah. see. I, I don't know. Maybe they announce another round of AP signups. I don't know. But I, I think maybe they were messing around with what they were going to do with all those preview events. And then D23 was probably just waiting for clear to be cleared to say, all right, are we going to get that date? <laughs> okay, all right, now we can do it. Well, what I don't understand is why they do one date when it, sold out, it sold out in two minutes. They yeah. can sell more. I don't know why they don't want to st- – I don't know why they don't want to sell more. I got a pre AP preview for the 10th, which is a Friday. I was hoping for a weekend, Saturday or Sunday. But like when you're in there, like I had to wait an hour on, in the queue for me to finally get to that spot. When you're once when you're in there, I don't rem, I don't think like the calendar shows what days were available that are now gone. So I guess like in my head, I'm like, well, like I really wanted the weekend after the 18th or the 19th. And then it's it, there's nothing. Now, I don't know if there was something and it's gone. No, there's or not. Or if it, there was I'm nothing. I'm telling you, so you're there's saying nothing. there was nothing. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Nothing after oh. the, the media event is the 14th or the 16th is when they're having media in. And there's nothing. No, no one is scheduled as of right now, as far as I know. I, I checked on it. No one is scheduled for any. There is nothing happening after the media event for scheduled previews for AP, DVC, D23, nothing. So, I mean, I hope they do. I hope Disney is smart and they soft open this thing 
like March 20th or something. You don't have to announce it. Just let people come in and go on the ride. But uh, that'll be interesting to watch. Biggest change in the parks that we haven't noticed, but we think we should. I have an example, but I want to hear what you're. I want to hear what you have to say. God, I feel like I feel like I'm surrounded by fans that notice everything. <laughs> um, I mean, I get a daily photo of of whatever has changed at Splash Mountain, so I feel like. Um, I mean, I would say maybe not enough attention has been given to the reduction in cast members that are in the parks and at the resorts over the last mm. like five to six years. Oh, um, oh yeah. I mean, it's just like, um, just not as many, you know, greeters at the resorts. Um, just not as many cast members just kind of around in the parks um, is when I, I mean, 10 years ago, like that was, was a big part of the job. It still is. The cast members are still amazing. There's just not as many as there used to be. Hey, housekeeping for sure. They, um, yeah, they were gone. And I think a lot of that now within the last two, three years has to do with just, um, staffing, yeah. Staffing, but then did, but them just not wanting to go put pay the extra amount yeah, no, this this started people. this started before COVID. Yeah, I mean this this was a intentional move before COVID that I think um, I mean I, I think fans notice, but your average guest would go to the park and have no idea. But it it is different, like it's different. But that would probably be my one. I can tell you that. Uh, they're all on the Star Cruiser because there are so many employees oh, yeah. there, <laughs> uh, which is which is nice. But like it was just there was just so many uh, awesome. cast members there, and um, and they were all great. So they put all the good ones, and all of them are on that ship. Um, the one I was thinking of was this. I, I don't know. I I don't see much talk about this, but hiring Barbara Bowser Bowser to run WDI. From Gensler. Gensler is, uh, if you're not familiar, I'm sure you are, but I mean, my listeners. Gensler is an architectural firm, uh, global. My company, we work with them all the time. Um, architects are, can sometimes be annoying because they they only see what is on the paper. They don't actually see what is in the physical space. So a, mo- a lot of times things don't work in the physical space that show up on the paper, right? I'm not saying that that's what she is, but I am saying that I just found it very odd that they would hire an outside person to run WDI as opposed to somebody that's within the company. I feel like a it's such a niche, Imagineering is such a niche community. It's such a niche thing where I feel like if you're going to run it, you got to be working in it. And I, hire an outside person. I don't understand it. And I think you see that with the Cotino thing, with them branching out and using their skill set to design now this housing complex that they really don't have any. They're only designing it. They're not really work. They're not going to have any ownership in it. I mean, they will have ownership, but it's not it's not like a celebration thing. But um, anyway, what I'm trying to say is I think that could potentially be an issue with having somebody who's not who doesn't know the 
the ins and outs of how that part works coming in. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton of inside info or insight on it, but I, I when I saw it, it just seemed to me that they want WDI going in a different direction. I think it's pretty well known that, and I think for good reason, that Imagineering often clashes with other parts of the company. And I think I saw this as them bringing in an outsider to maybe try to get a better handle on that instead of promoting from within. Uh If, you know, I mean, I think Imagineering should be controlling the company (laughs) in a lot of ways, but I think that there are people above, you know, the people that decided to bring in Barbara are probably wishing that they could rein in WDI a little bit on project timelines, spending, all of that stuff. I don't agree with that. That was just kind of the cynical way that I saw it. it was like, oh, that's probably why they're bringing in someone outside the company because they want to yeah. change something. Well, yeah, it's culture change for sure. Yeah. yeah. Which I could understand in some areas like tech, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. I feel like something that is like so integral to the company and what separates Disney from or what did separate Disney from other places was how like they there was like a imagineering like stepping stone where they all learned from the person before them and they built upon the new things and I'm not saying they haven't built anything great I mean like Rise of Resistance is great I think like Cosmic Rewind like we said is great but at the same time it's just but then it's like focusing on like other weird things like this like Cotino thing which I mean, I, I, it's, you know, whatever. They're going to make money on it, I think. They hope. So I, I just feel like that's a job that needs to go to somebody that knows that part of the company. Oh, I, I agree 100%. All right. So I wanted to ask you just a little, like, sort of outside Disney type things. Are there any other, like, news topics that you would have liked to cover in your professional life that you haven't? I mean, I just, I like breaking news, even non-Disney. I just like breaking news if it's from, you know, I'm a sports fan, like, personally. I have Uh my whole life, um, college football, NFL, Major League Baseball, but I don't think I would want to cover sports. Um, I prefer to consume, for sure. I mean, I, I could... I could get into covering like the daily business dealings of companies that I'm interested in, but I can't imagine having to do that for things that I'm not interested in. Like, yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm naturally interested in tech type news, but I don't think I would want to cover it either. So I think this is it. I think Disney's kind of it. And if this doesn't work out, then I'll just, I don't know, I'll go build decks or something. So. <laughs> Do you think sports wouldn't work because you're just you just want to just be a fan of the of your teams as opposed to like trying to be um impartial about that? Yeah, I mean I I only covered only um I feel like I would only want to cover things I'm interested in. I just can't imagine saying I want to go cover sports and then getting assigned, you know, to to go be a beat writer for the I don't know, the Jaguars or something. That's not my team, you know? Yeah. Like it, it would, 
it would be better than covering like uh, we better than having to cover city council meetings or something. Sure. But I don't think I would want that to be my my career uh, doing something like that. Um, I don't think I would be good at it to be to be very clear. I would not be good at it, um, <laughs> but even just like the desire, I don't I don't think it would be something I would even want to be good at. Do your family and friends know about your popularity on Twitter? No, not really. No. Oh. No. Nope. Okay. It's nice. <laughs> no, I mean it's I mean it's just like they're all like just I mean, my I can't go, but my family, I have a big family, lots and lots of brothers. Um, but they lots and lots of younger brothers. They're going to Disney next week for their spring break days off so they're they're parks fans but they're not like they go once a year and they learn about it when yeah. they have to you know they're not looking at it every day so uh they know that i'm the person to talk to when it's time to start planning but i mean the daily stuff that we love no way they're not they're not paying attention to any of that stuff have they have have you have you ever gotten from somebody like a screenshot of your tweet and say, hey, I, you know, I saw this on whatever CNN. I saw this on a blog and somebody, you know, is quoting you and now it's it's filtering back to them and they're like, hey, I saw you on this. Does that happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it definitely. What's interesting is finding out where people will see it. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to disparage any site, but there is a site. I would bet you probably haven't even heard of it. It's like a they they write for Disney, they cover Disney stuff, but they're just a like a old. It's like an old website that was purchased. I think this is not one that's commonly known, so okay. people will never know what I'm talking about. But I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. But all they do is like try to get SEO. Like that's all they do. They just write up stuff all day long. It's not like inside the magic where they're making up stuff. They're just writing everything. And for some reason, Google Discover loves them. <laughs> and my dad, the only place he ever sees my content is when this website, which writes up a story for every tweet that I publish and pretty much every tweet that exists, they'll write up a story for it. Um, for some reason, that is what he always sees. So like my dad will send me a screenshot of my tweet on this garbage <laughs> SEO farm website. Um, and I'm like, thanks. I, okay. You know, like this one, this is the one you see. Okay. Um, but no, I, I get, I'll get random screenshots every once in a while. And usually it's just, um, People asking if I know, do you know that your tweet is here? And I never do because that's not anything that I'm ever looking at or reading. I'm not going to read a story that would have something in it that I've shared. I've already, I don't need to read those stories. Um, but it is funny when, when it's your dad sharing some, like, a website he should not be on. Like, it's just... <laughs> But anyway, it's, it's yeah, fine. but I do get like family of uh, family that will send me an article about something that's four days old or whatever. And say, hey, did you see this? And I go, 
Oh, wow. That's interesting. Like when I, you know, learned about it a week ago already. But um, I guess, you know what? I, because I guess these people have less, uh, they don't have as much time on their hands as I do to, 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 you know, be reading about all this information. I do find it all valuable, though, because it's nice to have what I will very, as a very self aware person, a normal point of view on this stuff. If it's, their understanding of what genie plus is you know like that stuff is really interesting to me because it's it's super super easy for us to uh in our bubble feel like something is a big deal when it's not or feel like something is common knowledge when it's not um so i do find those conversations to be really interesting if it's family friend friend of a friend or whatever uh to just hear like what it is they think you know why it is they think Splash Mountain was closed. What you know they think uh, about park reservations or whatever. Like that stuff is is really fascinating to to hear um, in those conversations. So I I like to talk about that stuff, even if they're telling me something that I read. You know, even if they're giving me news that I heard a week ago. <laughs> it is interesting to hear that you know they're just now just now getting the news, and then I want to know where they saw it why they're just not seeing it but yeah best advice you can give to an up-and-coming journalist that's looking to do what you're doing uh i mean if you want to be a journalist you probably already are and that means like if you really want to do it whatever it is you want to cover like you've already hopefully figured that out um because you are a, a snooper on social media. Like you're the one that's trying to figure out things. Like you want to know the truth, not just what you're told. Um, so if, you, if you're if you at that point and you're trying to just get started, the biggest thing to do is just to start writing and get your content in front of eyeballs so that you can get some feedback on your style, your workflow, and um, try to find try to find something that can be a um, an opportunity, a lane that you can be in that is not currently crowded. But at the same time, you got to make sure that it's something that you're interested in. You don't have to be interested in it, but it's something that you'll be passionate about covering because you don't want to get burnout in that lane and fizzle out like a lot of people do. So um, it's, you know, if you're not naturally a journalist, don't try to be one because, again, it's that will fizzle out, too. Um, you really just need to have that personality where you're always trying to find like the truth and find answers. And if you, if you do start writing, find things you're interested in, cover those and just publish, publish it somewhere, start a newsletter, publish it on social, just get it in front of eyeballs. And there, there is a place in this world for influencers, but don't, if you want to be a journalist, don't think that that's the only like way 
to get notoriety is, is through that. It, it can work. You can do both. It's, it is very possible, but it's not the only path, it's, even though that's the way it might look in 2023. Yeah, I think you uh, more than you certainly are passionate. I, you could tell from your tweets that you're passionate about, you know, the, the Disney and covering it. When I read a tweet from you, it's it's coming from the voice of a fan first, I feel. And then it's informational news second, which I think for which I appreciate because I know you're not just doing this because and after from talking to you just now, I can confirm it, but I know you're not just doing this because you know, you're getting paid to do it and it's just like a job. You're doing it because you are passionate about it and you've gotten to the point where you can share your information with all of us. Yeah. I mean, I it's literally the only reason that I enjoy it is to try to contribute to um, a community. And like that, that was something that I wasn't really doing before. And now I can do it in a way that's helpful and it's also something that I'm interested in doing which it's nice that it can be both if my way of contributing would have been you know photography that didn't work you know like I tried to take that up seven eight years ago and that fizzled out because I just wasn't that interested in learning about how to be a better photographer so we we all have to kind of figure that out but just kind of figure it out in a way where you're doing things that you enjoy and don't take yourself too seriously. Just try to have fun <laughs> with it. I mean, uh, especially if you're trying to do anything on Twitter, please be funny. Just be funny. <laughs> I try, I, I try to be funny and, and I get a little disappointed in myself when it's like I do a funny tweet and I don't get much traction and I'm like, you know, in my head, this was really funny. I wish maybe just people don't think this the way, same way I do. Well, it's the cocaine bears. Uh, that's a good one. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm always thinking about country bears. Yeah. <laughs> I do love when a story happens and it's, it's always fun to see how, how we find a way to make it about parks. But that was a, that was a, that was a winner. So. <laughs> All right, so I want to now ask you rapid-fire questions, your favorites in the parks uh, with the Disney. If you have more than one answer, that's fine. That, that's fine. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold you to it. All right. Uh, all right. Favorite park? Uh, Disneyland Park. A favorite ride or rides? It was Splash Mountain. Um, was my favorite ride growing up. Like, wasn't even close. When I was for whatever reason, when I was a kid, we would go to Six Flags a lot too. I just loved the log flume. Like it didn't. I didn't even like it at Walt Disney World because of the, like the characters or anything. I just loved a log flume as a kid. So for a long time, that was still my my favorite ride to go back and do that because it, I enjoyed it so much as a kid. Um, so I'm excited to see uh, the the. Tiana version of of that log flume. If they change that to not be a log flume, that is when you're going to hear a very angry person joining the the people that are against the removal of Splash Mountain. <laughs> if suddenly they say, you know what, never mind, it's just a salt 
walkway and you're just going to walk <laughs> around, um, then we got problems. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm excited for that thing to finally get some, um, some needed attention. So it was Splash Mountain. Now I would say, I mean, probably with my family right now, it's probably People Mover and Magic Kingdom because it's something that we've all been able to run. I've got a two, eight, and she just turned five and an eight-year-old. Um, it's something that we've all been able to do all together, you know, since each of them have been born. So that's probably my current favorite ride. I was explaining to somebody how, like how the ride works. It's like amazing. It's it's just magnets that turn on and off, and that's how it moves the yep. the cars. It's like so simple, mm-hmm. and you wonder why it isn't in more places. Yeah. Um, and it Disney is. built they built it themselves. And um, I wish I, w- I wish there were people movers in all the parking lots so you could just get on them and, instead of having a tram the, the parking lot trams. Let's just put them all around property. Forget the Skyliner. Yeah. Can I just take the people mover back to uh, Saratoga Springs, please? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't. It's it's like you know one of those things where and it doesn't seem like it's expensive to build, but maybe it is or was. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, favorite snack. I would say just popcorn at 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 the parks. A popcorn and a Coke. It's about as good as it gets. It's the only place that I eat popcorn to is there. So that's probably why. Are you getting a bucket or are you just getting in the paper uh, container? Uh, every time we get the bucket, we don't like I'm not trying to like. Ruin my trip with sodium. Uh, so the bucket, <laughs> I feel like we never get our money's worth on the refillable bucket. So usually it's just the box. We've gotten the bucket. We have gotten the bucket several times. Um, we also like you never know what to do with it when you get home. Like some of them are not that exciting. You know, the figment bucket is a different discussion. But some of them are just buckets with <laughs> Mickey and Minnie on the side, and I don't know what you do with those when you get home. Um, so. Uh, did you get a figment bucket? I did not. No. Oh. We were there last year during Festival of the Arts, but we did not get one. You went on the line for six hours? Did not. No. I've got, um, I have a couple from the Main Street Electrical Parade at Disneyland uh, that have never had popcorn in them, but I did get those because those are pretty cool. Favorite show? I'm not not talking about TV show. I'm talking about like in park show. Yeah, yeah, Carousel of Progress is probably my my favorite one. And my kid, like my eight-year-old likes it too. I'm just like, yes. Like, yeah, good job. <laughs> so um, raising that kid right. I know, and I didn't really try. Best thing about having kids is you can influence them, but man, when they find stuff on their own, like it's so cool. And that's like one of those things where I didn't, I really didn't try to force it. And he was like, "That was cool." I'm like, "Yeah, it was." <laughs> so, but yeah, Would that's you- probably it. Would you want them to update the final scene, or do you just want them to just leave it as is at this point? Uh, I'm fine with them updating it. I think it needs to – I'm pro-update in general for the parks, but it needs to still resemble what it is that we know. Like, if they came in there and just, like, took everything out and it just looked like a different scene, then I would not be okay with it. But if they updated it, 
you know, even significantly, but left characters, the animatronics, and the storyline was still pretty much the same. I, I think it would be fine. I know, you know, I I would be okay with most of the things in that ride being updated in a way as long as the story at its core is still the same. Yeah, I love it. I would like them to update the theater because uh, it smells like yeah. diesel fuel in there. I think yep. that's the smell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the sound is bad in some places. At the final scene, they updated like the the clothing, and at first I was like, I don't know if I like that. And then and then I saw it in person, like, okay, it's all right. It's it's yeah. good. Yeah. No, they did a good job with it. But now they need to start selling that stuff, which I don't. Which whoever I don't know what they're doing in merchandising, but they're not doing a good job because start selling those mineral king uh track jackets that uh what's his face has and the slippers the 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 rainbow the rainbow the ra- reindeer slippers that they're wearing i don't know why they don't sell this stuff but yeah it's a, uh, i would love to know like who made those but um must be just one one pair jimmy uh, that's his name i was like what the heck is his name his name's jimmy oh yeah the son uh favorite restaurant uh, sci-fi dine-in Hollywood studios. Yeah, that's good. Fried pickles. Do you get the yep. fried pickles? Yeah. I mean, the food's fine. I just love, I mean, there is no better themed, like unique, still old Hollywood studios feel like it's just such a cool place to go. Like, it's just so unique. Um, they have good burgers. I mean, the food is the food is good enough to not like make it where you're like bring your own food in because it's terrible. No, the food is good, but I mean, it's, there's much better food on property, but that entire just theme park restaurant experience. I don't know how you get better than that. I mean, and then, I mean, maybe a close second is another restaurant in Hollywood studios at, at prime time. Like those are just two fun, um, you know, goofy experiences that still yeah. feel still hold up i think in 2023 and in that park and they better not change either one of those so yeah and sci-fi is something that you like you know was a thing in the 50s you know yeah going to the drive-in and now that's gone i mean for the most part yep so you're you know you got kids you know you, you try to explain to them hey look you know, like maybe not necessarily you, but your parents would go to an outdoor movie and sit in the car and eat, <laughs> you know, like that's like so foreign to people nowadays, but, but you can actually relive it. So it's like, yep. you know, like you said, it's great use of theming and now it's great. I, I wish um, it's hard to get a reservation because it's not that big. Yeah, it's, it's hard. We don't even get it every trip because it's so difficult to get. But another favorite is Topolino's Terrace at Riviera. Like it's, as a place that's just good food, um, that place is, is excellent. Sci-fi is the winner, in my opinion. Favorite hotel or resort? I mean, it changes. So we're, we have DVC, so we stay at, like, we stay at a different resort every time. I grew up, we only, we only stayed at All Star. And then me and my wife did DVC. Started at bought DVC in 2009 when everything crashed. Um, and we bought it for $40 a point. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After the crash. That's great. Yeah. It was a good time to buy. So we have lived off of the 
that one good decision that we made, one good financial decision. We made other, but I mean, it was a really good one at the time. So we've benefited from that for a while. So our favorite resort tends to change based on trip, but it's for a couple years, it's been Polly um, staying at the, at the DVC wing over there. It's just really hard to beat that location. You can walk to the GTC, get on Epcot monorail, you can take a boat to Magic Kingdom, take monorail to Magic Kingdom. Now you can walk to Magic Kingdom if you want to walk over to Grand Floridian. Yeah. I think that I think that walkway is closed at the moment, but normally you could you could if you wanted to take that walk. I mean, it's just anything to do, anything to avoid a bus. Uh, <laughs> we're all in on that, and it checks all the boxes, and it's just a really well-themed resort, old school feel, but still feels new. It's it's really hard to beat. Yeah, that's a good point. They've updated it so much that it's like brand new feel, but it, you know, it is old. And it's that 70s, you know, Polynesian like look that everybody was looking for back then. So, yeah, no, that's great. I need to know your favorite theme park memory that doesn't involve work. When I was a kid... My memory is is through uh, my dad and my my grandfather at the time. But I I learned how to when I was like three or four, I learned how to snap on the monorail, and I have like pictures of it. It's apparently something that I'd wanted to do as a kid for like a year, and I finally learned how to do it while they were riding me around the monorail. <laughs> and I had to go tell every single person on the monorail that I and make it made them listen to me snap when I was like three or four years old. <laughs> so that's like the family story that gets told, you know, every year at Christmas. But if, I mean, for me, most recent, I mean, the, the first time seeing Happily Ever After was a an out-of-body experience. Uh, seeing in that opening night was really hard to beat. Yeah. And I didn't think it would be beat until I saw Wondrous Journeys at Disneyland. And man, like, I genuinely didn't think I would ever have that feeling watching a fireworks show again. I thought I'd become too much of a grump. Like, <laughs> and Enchantment, like, honestly, Enchantment and Harmonious both had me, like, questioning if I could ever like watch one of those shows without wanting to pick it apart. Like if my yeah. brain genuinely like had this fear that I'd like broken my brain to where I couldn't just go have fun and enjoy a show like that without wanting it to be perfect because I knew how I felt about happily ever after. And it was like the first time I saw it, that's how I felt. And then I, at, at, after seeing wondrous journeys, I was like, all right, like, I mean, I might like that show more than Happily Ever After. And just knowing that it, there was just a couple of not great shows uh, that were the the issue and not, you know, my brain being broken and unable to enjoy, enjoy a show like that anymore. So, but I would probably have to say the most recent theme park, like memory, uh, just moment like that would be the, the Happily Ever After first time. First time seeing it. What about work event? Favorite work event that you got to cover? 
I don't really talk. I don't really talk to. I don't think I t- shared on Twitter much about it. Um, but the first time I rode Cosmic Rewind, um, I was the first person to actually ride it, see the full queue, and ride the attraction. Uh, and I got to ride it with the Imagineers that um, built the ride. So as they're mm-hmm. walking me through the queue. They're literally showing me like every little thing that they worked on. And I mean, it was like, um, I was just watching their faces the whole time. They were so excited to describe every little thing, all the work that they had put into one little thing on the cityscape and the queue, you know, just all the hidden fun little details. I couldn't record any of it. So it was just, me having this moment this conversation which was like a gift in and of itself like i wasn't trying to work like i was just in the moment like just enjoying hearing these people talk about everything they had done for this uh, on this attraction so that was really cool and something that like I, I knew i was very lucky to get to do and we'll never get to do that again so it was it was really neat you couldn't do like a, a voice recording mm-hmm. either? Nope. Nothing. Nope. Yeah. And it, and in the moment or at, at first I'm like, dang. But then like after it was over, I was like I, I was totally present, you know? Like I my phone was locked up. Like there was there were no options. Um and so I, I was able to go back and um go back through and document some things, but like that that moment like just having those conversations where I was able to just be present was was kind of like a a gift without me knowing that it was a gift. <laughs> where the rule prevented me from trying to pick up you know, pick out quotes or whatever. I was just there. So that was cool. When you say phone lock, like they take your phone for these events i think for that one sometimes they just have like um mailers like things you would mail something in that has a where you peel off the top when you send something back to amazon like Uh they have those and you just stick your phone down in it and then you seal it and then you either keep it in your pocket or they'll they'll hold on to it for you i think for that one i i think i had it uh in my pocket but it was in the the mailer I'm pretty sure that's what they did for that one. Because they gave us a preview of the Cosmic Rewind um, show building like six months before it opened. And they did that same thing for that one. So I think that's what they did for that day too. But I can't remember. Favorite movie and favorite character. Now, if you want to separate like Disney, Star Wars, Marvel movie, if you want to do something out of the Disney bubble, that's fine too. If you want to give me one of each, that's fine too. I mean, for Marvel, Endgame is my favorite Marvel movie, uh, for sure. And favorite character is Captain America. Oh, like that's been my my number one character from the beginning. I mean, just him. Uh, and then the favorite movie, you know, obviously Endgame is more recent, but before that, it was. Uh, Winter Soldier, so the second Cap movie yeah. was my favorite before any game. 
And then favorite Disney Plus Marvel show is WandaVision, for sure. Loved, just loved everything about that show. It was funny. It was weird. It was, it was cool. They did a good job with that. I mean, I don't really have a favorite Star Wars character or movie. I'm just, I just don't. I mean, Mandalorian is, is probably my, like, favorite, what I would say is my favorite character. But, yeah, that's, I'm just kind of a, I, I consider myself a casual Star Wars fan. And then for Disney, I don't know what my favorite Disney, I mean, most recent would probably be Encanto was a very popular movie in this, in our house. Um, <laughs> very, very, very popular. But probably like old school Disney movies would be Aladdin or Lion King are probably my two favorites. And then favorite Disney character would just be Mickey. Mickey was my number one OG as a kid. Um, and I'm not sure he's been topped as being the, the number one. Since well, I don't think he can. No, I don't know. How well, maybe could. by Donald Duck. He could, he always wants to be number one. Yeah, he tries. <laughs> he tries. <laughs> Captain America Winter Soldier, of course, one of the filming locations, Camp Lehigh in New Jersey. And you know where I'm going here with this. WandaVision, of course, one of the filming locations, Westview, New Jersey. So, so your two favorite Marvel, both happening in New Jersey. The Jersey connection. Where, where I am from uh, and where I am right now. I did not prep you on this, but I, I'm going to ask you, favorite park-specific character? Hmm. I mean, the easy answer is Figment, but I'm trying to think of someone else. Uh, Tom Morrow, probably, <laughs> because I love that voiceover. <laughs> uh on people mover so i'll just i'll go with tom because right. i i feel like he feel like there we could do more with him uh in the parks we need a, a tom morrow land <laughs> they have a tom morrow land tomorrow land <laughs> there you go that's the joke um <laughs> no i i mean like no big owl no, I mean, country bears don't really do much for me. Um, I, I'm good with them, but we didn't watch that show growing up. Like, we didn't go in there in the park, so I didn't see it for the first time until I was, you're, like, in college. You're from North Carolina, right? Yeah. It, it's implied that the country bears are from the Appalachian area. No, I don't bother. Does that, does that bother? No, okay. Nothing, nothing like that bothers me ever. All right. So, no, it's, I mean, if it, it I think it's a hilarious show every time i see it though it is surprising that it's still it's still <laughs> going so and allowed to to be what it is so yeah i mean i think a close second or third might be sunny eclipse and that's just coming from we ate there so many times <laughs> when I, was, when I was a kid and he just got refurbished like he's looking yeah, brand new of, now yeah he's moving like fluid I mean, yeah, it, it looked good. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, he's um gets yourself some chicken tenders like I did, a Coca Cola, and um you got to get there early though for a good spot because I was there at like 11:30 and all the almost all the seats in that area of the restaurant were full. So oh, people wow. want to see Sunny, <laughs> even even at 11:30 in the morning. Wow, that's awesome. 
Still filling it, filling up the seats. That's awesome. Yeah, he's still singing his sold out shows. Scott, I um, I've gone through everything that I had for you, and I appreciate you coming on and going this long. When you're listening to this, uh, you'll see how long it is, listener. But I think it was worth it. Scott, if there's anything else you wanted to add, please add. And um, if you want to let everybody know where they can find you uh, on the internet. As long or, as Twitter as long as Twitter still, exi- still exists, you can find <laughs> me on Twitter. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I think the Disney fan community is is awesome. I like being a part of it. I like being able to contribute to it. I just really encourage everyone to support things that you support people that are doing things that you like in the community uh, because there already are some bad actors on certain social platforms that are kind of starting to be able to rise quickly. So the more you support the the blogs uh, and the sites that really do um, provide news and facts, I think the better off we'll be. So just keep doing that. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to get preachy on it, but it it does it does matter, and it's something that I feel pretty strongly about when I'm asked five times a day about some stupid intentionally misleading rumor <laughs> that is circulated on a certain social platform. Yeah. So just keep supporting the outlets and journalists that provide the facts and stay out of the weeds when we can. But if we have to get in the weeds, at least be funny. Bring a, uh, bring a weed trimmer. No, that's good. That's good advice. I think um, we talk about the good or the, the gooder ones. Gosh, the good ones on our show, and we, you know, try not to discuss the bad ones. But you're one of the best ones, Scott. So I appreciate you tremendously for coming on and staying up so late. It's 11:30 here on the East Coast, just so everybody knows. So Scott has been on with me for a while, and um, and I, I hopefully nobody's sick in the house. So you got to deal with that too. Oh no, no, they're That's all good. they're all asleep. All good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you for coming on, and uh, I appreciate your humility, and I think you do an amazing job. I don't know anything about any of this, but I think you do an amazing job. And, um, like, you know, anytime I want to make sure something is good, is true, I go to you. So I got to read what does Scott say. So I think that's a testament to how well you do your job and how much um, passion you have it for. And, And like I said earlier, I could tell that you actually like doing this based on how you tweet about it so so thank you for for coming on and for just being a real person and um and wanting to share your knowledge with all of us and as best you can and and doing everything you do yeah i appreciate it it's it is fun and i try to not fly off the handle too much on certain stuff but when appropriate i will (laughs) and I try to keep my Genie Plus rants to podcasts, so you're welcome for that. (laughs) I want to remind you that our podcast is sponsored by Mainstream More Travel, an authorized Disney vacation planner who can help you book your vacation of your dreams. 
Check out their website, MainStreetAndMoreTravel.com. Request a quote and let Chris and her team plan your family's next vacation. As a reminder, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Mouse and More Podcast. And on behalf of my guest, Scott Gustin, this is Adam, and we are the Mouse and More Podcast. Good night, everybody. Oh,